As one of those who have served in the military, but not in a combat situation, sometimes I identify with Rory pretty good when I gather around some of those who have served and hear some of the things that they have gone through. Hear Daryl talk about Korea and things that took place there, and I look at my life and my time in the service. Spent one year in Western Oklahoma and three years in Germany. And when I went to Harding and I had a speech class, my first speech was I said, I don't know how many of you are paying taxes, but I, those who are, I want to thank you for a three-year vacation in Europe. It, it was a glorious time. Uh, I, but one of the things that you learn as being a soldier is that learning to obey learning to, to trust, uh, and then you see and sometimes you figure out that some of those that you're putting your life in their hands really don't have much more idea than you do of what's going on. That gets a little scary. But it's the fact that as a soldier, you, you learn to put a trust in God that His will will be done. You put a trust in God that as a soldier... He does know what he's doing, and the battle does belong to the Lord. Ours is to trust him in that and simply to do the things that he would have us to do. And it's interesting because the things that he would have us to do are nothing that would hurt us, in essence, or harm us. Although there be those in the physical realm that might want to, but that can happen whether you're a soldier or not. But that what he's asked of us has always been for our betterment. If we've learned to control ourselves, if we've learned to seek others, if we've learned to seek the Lord first in our life and to, to surrender to him and to trust that, his, that he will be with us each step of the way, it makes life a whole lot different and a whole lot better if we can but trust him. Paul, as he was writing to that young preacher, Timothy, in that first letter, and in the sixth chapter, starting down at verse 6, now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and clothing... With these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some, having strayed from the faith and their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called, and have confessed that good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God, 
who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is blessed, only potentate, King of kings, and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in inapproachable life, whom no man has seen or can see, by whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Just that charge, reminding ourselves the conflict between this world and the spiritual realm. And there's always been a battle there. And in this physical realm, Satan has his sway. And he's reminding us that be careful about what you get caught up in pursuing. It's so easy if you're not careful to get caught up in that pursuit that, as he mentions, those in verse 5 who suppose that, mean, that godliness is the means of gain from such with, withdraw yourself. For godliness with contentment is gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we're carrying nothing out of it. Just the way it is. We know that. I mean, we've been around long enough, and even the younger ones have seen the loss of loved ones or have heard of the death of those that are loved ones of others, and we understand. Whatever we've gained in this world, we're leaving behind. It's not going with us. Heard so many times, you know, that I've never seen a, a hearse with a U-Haul trailer behind it. You know, you don't take your possessions with you. For those who have tried that, and there have been those who had their, read about those who had a favorite Cadillac, and they were buried in their Cadillac, well, they really didn't take it with them. Uh, they're both still in the ground, the body decaying and the Cadillac decaying. You don't take it with you. But Satan has that desire of wanting us to, or encouraging us to want to pursue after riches. <coughs> and it matters not what it is. Every individual has that own, their own temptation along that line. It could be whatever it is. It could be climbing the ladder of, uh, in the corporate field. It can be fame, fortune. It can be a host of everything. Or as we live in a land that uh, tells you every week how many millions, half a billion of dollars that you could win by just having the right combination of numbers. So we, we buy into a lot of that. Well, the world is trying to get us to buy into that. And Paul says the battle is to understand that godliness with contentment, that's the game. That's the victory. Living a godly life and being contented with it. And that understanding things come and go. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, saw one on the, on the 
results of the fires in, in Northern California. That a man went back to where his house was, his father's house, and of course it had burned to the ground. And he dug through it and he found a fire safe or a safe that had gone through the fire and chiseled it open. And he, find, he found his uh, fiance's engagement ring in there. It was melted. The stones were there, so he's just going to have it reset. It's not the same, is it? But how quickly can you, that's an indication, how quickly can you lose everything that you have? But if you have godliness, and you're content with godliness, you have not lost. That's the victory. Faith is that victory. And we need to be mindful of that in our life. And it's, again, it's easy to get caught up. I mentioned you know, I have a niece that lives in Thousand Oaks and the fires were down there and approaching her house. I didn't hit the, the canyon she lives in. But in my mind, what's going through my mind in her garage, she has some paintings that my mother painted when she was young. She has some paintings that an aunt of mine painted that I would cherish as well. But you know, they're just things. They're just things. In time, they're going to perish. And they really don't make that much difference. You get down two generations. And two generations down, there's none of those that really knew my mother or my aunt. And so those paintings don't mean anything to them. <laughs> uh, so that's just part of life. I'm just saying, if we can learn to be content, it's one of the things he stresses as he's gone down through here. And then Paul also back in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, will talk about this battle that we're engaged in as well and putting on that whole armor of God. And that's the reminder to us of putting on the whole armor of God. It's God who does the protecting. It's God who does the saving. All that we put on for protection against the wiles of Satan is what God provides. So we have that godliness, and then, and then indeed we can learn to be content. And then that reminder, again, this world is going to vanish and perish away, but the soul will live through eternity. And having food and clothing and shelter, with these we shall be content. Is that what the verse says? That's what you hear so many times, is it not? As long as we've got food, clothing, and shelter, we can be happy. Where'd you get that? I read it too, food and clothing. Shelter's not mentioned. Remember the house that Jesus had? What is he talking about? He had no place to lay his head, no place to call his own. His home is heaven. He's this passed through this life, as shall we. But Satan has got that third one in there. And you can hear that almost without exception from anybody you talk with. Well, as long as I've got food, clothes, and a shelter, I'm happy. I can be content. And we forget. Satan's already injected a false teaching into our premise.
Well, as long as I have the food and the clothing, I can be content. Until I don't have the food and the clothing. And I'm not content. And I forget. God has also blessed us with those who help one another. John will talk about that in 1 John 3 and 4 and 5. But down in there, in that whole section he's talking about, he says, if you have and you see a brother in need and you don't reach out and help him, how does the love of God abide in you? We've been impressed by Satan, emphasized in our society. You stand on your own feet. You make the provisions for your life and for your loved ones. That's your obligation. And you do not depend upon anyone else. It's not what the scriptures teach. Scriptures teach that we're a family. This is part of the battle that we wage against Satan, is allowing him to interject some teachings that sound good and to believe that, again, he gave us a family for a reason. Family helped one another. And that does away with that concept, well, if I cannot do it, then I've failed in my job. We judge, we tend, we tend to judge life in segments of our time. We do not do a whole life, and we do not, definitely we do not do in, in comparison to all of human history or eternity with God. But we do judge our life in segments. Sometimes we forget what we had in the past. Sometimes we forget the help that we received in the past. I make decisions and judgment based upon where I'm at right now with my tunnel vision. This is what I see. And I don't see anything more than that. And God says, you need to open your eyes. You need to see what's already been provided for you. He gave you mothers and fathers husbands and wives and children. He says you have it a hundredfold when you became a child of God. Did you forget that? A hundredfold you've gained a, a spiritual family. So that's part of a battle that we get to fight against in our life. Those who desire to be rich and Satan has his way of working that. Think what you could do with the riches. Think of the good that you could contribute, the things that could be done. Saw one recently of the individual who had won one of these lotteries. And I don't remember, it was something like $325 million that she had received. And she felt real charitable and she gave 500000 to some charity that she had an interest in. She won $325 million And this was a charity that she was very, very close to, and she was willing to give them 500000 I need the rest. She didn't say that, but I know that's what comes out. What are we going to do with the rest of it? 
How are we going to use what we've been given? How richly have we been blessed in this country? And do we understand that if not careful, there is that desire there. The world says, a little bit more, a little bit more. It's been said so many times, I've asked all these rich people, what would it take to make you happy? Does it matter if they were a millionaire, a multimillionaire, a billionaire, or a multibillionaire? What would it take to make them happy? The answer has always been the same. Just a little bit more. Not happy where I'm at. Just a little bit more. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. Again, do I not believe God knows who I am? That God does not know the circumstances in which I find myself? Do I not believe that God also knows my inward side? And that he is able to supply everything that I need if I but trust him. It's a battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. If I trust him in this, I can work through this battle. Those who have got caught up in pursuing riches, riches have pierced themselves through with many to destruction, with many sorrows. Flee these things. Pursue righteousness. The things that are right. Fair treatment of one another. All ties in, if you will, with our Wednesday night series on the domino effect, does it not? Don't get caught up in chasing the dominoes that go this way that lead to destruction. You knock one over, and that's where, that's where it leads to. Because this one says... Okay, if you got this, but you know if you do this a little bit more, you can have this. And you know if you do this a little bit more, you can have this. And on and on it goes, and it leads to destruction. Choose the other side, if you will. Pursue righteousness. The things that are right. Fair treatment of one another. Fair treatment of others. Loving your enemies. Praying for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. Because you never know one day who is your enemy today, tomorrow may be your brother in Christ. So you do what's right. Because they have a soul and a desire or a need to hear about the Savior. Godliness. Pursue godliness. Another domino in, in that shame. Things that would be God-like. And then you consider god and what is he like? How much did he love the world? Who in that world did he love? And who in that world did he exclude from having an opportunity to hear a message of salvation? What was he willing to do and reaching that multitude. What was Jesus willing to do? Godliness. Pursue godliness. Jesus said, my meat, my food is to do the will of him who has sent me. 
do his will. And believe him. Those who have slammed the door in your face. Those who have spoken evil against you. Those who have sought to cause harm to you. Physically, mentally, however they choose to want to do that. You pursue godliness. Because in the end, God is always right. And he's never forsaken or never abandoned us or left us alone. He's always been there for us, always there with us. Gives us the strength that we need. We put on that armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God out of Ephesians 6. Petition him in our prayers and then trust him. Faith. Seeing that which is unseen. Read what was done by faith in the lives of God's people. Hebrews 11. Again, read the whole chapter. 35 on down too, to get that reminder. Listen. Faith in God, a trust in Him, a commitment to His life does not always mean that there's going to be no problems in this life. Read the book of Job. Do we understand the nature of God? By the time I get to Job 38, verses 1 and following 2, 3, that's usually where I end up quitting. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Tell me if you know. And then he goes on with a list of these questions that we have not yet been able to answer. Tell me if you got that wisdom. If you want to approach me and say, God, why have you done it this way? Why haven't you done it another way? Why have you not made it more easier for us? Or whatever else it may be. Do you not trust God? Job would go on to say, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. But he says, I still would like to question well, again, Job 38 through 42 ought to give you the reminder that if you question, make sure your questions go to God. And if you, do the, if, you, if you are going to question God, be willing for God to give you an answer. And his answer is found here. Be prepared to get an answer from him. To see what it is that he would have you to do. Love. It's not that ooey gooey mushy stuff. That may have a part in, in love, but that's not what he's talking about there. That's 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. And sometimes we forget the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. It shows you how extremely important biblical love is. Without it, you're not going to see God. That love described there is a sacrificial love. 
that seeks the best interest of another, that's willing to give the other the benefit of the doubt, and that puts a trust in who God is. And this love that is so extremely important, this love who is self-denying and sacrificial, that's the quality that will be seen into heaven. Faith and hope are going to disappear. Faith one day will become reality. Hope will be seen, will be realized, but love will still be there. How important it is that the battle belongs to the Lord. You put on what he describes as this armor in so many different ways. You pursue. That means you have a desire, a goal, and a direction that you're going to move in. And these are the qualities that you're pursuing afterwards. Patience and gentleness. Being patient with mankind. God definitely has been, is, and will be. Peter says we need to regard the fact that the Lord has not returned yet. In 2 Peter 3, he said you need to regard that as salvation. The fact that he has not returned yet means he is patient, is granting opportunity for one to change. When time is ended, whenever that may be, there's not a soul alive who will be able to say, I didn't have time. God is born with us. Have that patience and gentleness. Treat others as you would want to be treated. Power under control is another way that gentleness has been described. A horse that has been tamed, that has tremendous power, but it's under control. Gentleness. You have the power of God. Have it under control. Sometimes, through whatever means in listening to Satan more than listening to God, we may get flustered at what we see and we want to say, this is what the Bible says. You either do it or you're going to perish. Have the power under control. Because again, the eternity of a soul is at stake. You can guide it in the right direction. If they choose to disobey, then it's on them. But you can close a door that may be extremely hard to open again by anyone else. But learning that gentleness, fight that good fight of faith. Understand that it is a battle. You see it all the way through the scriptures. From Genesis 3 to the end of Revelation. The battle of faith. Trusting God, taking God, believing God, 
doing God, loving God, no regrets, no longing for what had previously been a part of our lives, content with where we are, desirous to move on, anticipation and longing for heaven and that eternal home, reminding yourself all the way through this life, the battle belongs to the Lord. He gives the power. He gives the strength. He gives the weapons. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. He gives the weapon for us to use and for us to be encouraged by as we live our lives day by day. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called. Again, you have to remind yourself on a daily basis. Eternal life. Do not want to lose eternal life with God for something that's transit, something that's temporary, something that just got under my skin and I responded in haste. made statements, made judgments that ought not to have been made. Lay hold on eternal life so that we can do His will. He gives life to all things. Our hope is in God. Our desire is for heaven. Keep that as our focus. Move in that direction. But it does depend upon the song. The song does not say, or it's not entitled, Do You Know About My Jesus? Have you heard about him? The song says, Do You Know? My Jesus. Has it, moved, has it moved from being intellectual? Yea, I've read the Bible, I know what it says. Has it moved from there to He is my Savior. And in Him I hope. And in Him I serve. Do you know my Jesus? If your life is not where it needs to be, a change needs to be made. If we could assist you in making that change, we'd want to encourage you to do that. You need to respond to that invitation to do that as well and to come to the front as together we stand and sing.